0: Good evening, everyone. I'm Ian James Wright from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to The Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog, from Fuga A to Fugazi. Z. Joining me today to discuss Polish from 1991's Steady Diet of Nothing is filmmaker Robert Lalonde, host of the Film Cult podcast. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm doing
1: good. How are you, Ian?
0: I'm pretty well myself. My parents are in town to see their granddaughter for the first time since the start of the crazy pandemic, and we, uh, you know, took the day off, went to a winery out here in uh, California where I'm located right now, so I'm having a great day. How? <laughs> I can't imagine your day is as nice as mine because you told me you were at work.
1: It's also snowing here, so let's just, there you go. <laughs> let's just get to the point of it is May, and it is still snowing where I'm at, oh so... <laughs>
0: There is that. You're in uh were you in Calgary?
1: I am in Calgary. Yes. yes.
0: Wow. You'll be having the last laugh when global warming demolishes uh us all down south of you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I it, it's it's nice being right by the mountains. Mm-hmm. So we're we're above sea level like dramatically. So hopefully when when the world goes under and Arizona becomes Arizona Bay, <laughs> Calgary will be will Learn be okay. Swim. Learn to swim everybody.
0: <laughs> so, your uh your show, The Film Cult Podcast has been on my radar for a while now because you have had Joe Lally and Brendan Canty on as guests, which uh those episodes would seem like an obvious point of entry for people who listen to this podcast. So, uh check those out, guys. But otherwise, for people who haven't heard your show before, You want to tell the folks what it's all about and your approach?
1: So I worked in radio probably 15 years ago, and everybody kept saying, when are you going to get back? When are you going to get back doing this? And I'm like, fine. And the pandemic hit, and I had nothing better to do, so I just started it. And (laughs) I thought it was going to be a little bit more cinematographers and film-based, but as I went along, it was very punk-rooted. And I was getting all of the artists that I grew up listening to more and more musical artists. And then it snowballed from there. And now we're getting politicians on the show. So it's, it's definitely gotten (laughs) a lot bigger. We're doing festivals now, politicians still doing the music, still doing the movie stuff. But yeah, it's a, it's a wide spanning range there. Um, and, yeah, hopefully Ian and Guy will come on the show at some point and we can close out having everybody from Fugazi on. But right now, I I love having that amazing rhythm section on the show. Hell yes. And, and, and I wanted those two to be the first uh to get on the show from Fugazi because as far as I'm concerned, the rhythm section is is why Fugazi, I think, has has lasted the test of time. And why they are so revered to this day is because of that rhythm section. But yeah, it's always a special day when anybody from Fugazi or anybody from the Jesus Lizard comes on the show. It's it, it's always cause for celebration. So
0: It's not such a bad idea if what you want to do is talk to punk rock musicians to like have a podcast about a different topic. Because they're probably like, ah, I'm sick of talking about punk rock movie podcast. Yeah, I'll be on that. Sure.
1: Oh, so. and, and Jell-O took advantage of that hardcore. Having Jello <laughs> Biafra on in September, that's a close to four-hour episode of we talk everything from politics to him wanting to essentially program Turner Classic Movies. Like, we really get into the weeds on the film there, so...
0: Oh, my God, I would love that. Jello Classic Movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's what what more can I say that's quite an enticement to uh check out your podcast. I haven't listened to the jello episode um I don't recall exactly what was said on the brendan and Joe episodes because I listened to those so long ago but i I remember being geeked out that uh, those guys were on so um yeah nice i I'll have to get around to listening to that jello one myself. it sounds pretty amazing
1: i I have a question for you go before for we go further because I know that you're gonna ask me questions. But I want to get—I want the audience to, to know a little bit more about Ian.
0: Okay, fair I enough. want to
1: know what have you learned the most doing this podcast so far?
0: I think that, uh, and I may have said this on a recent episode, is I thought that the podcast was going to be about each Fugazi song, talking about each Fugazi song, and that being the the main point of it. And I think that is still the the hook. And why people would ever start listening to the podcast. But I think that for me, uh, almost what has eclipsed that is hearing um, everybody's own personal Fugazi story. I just, I love hearing about all my guests talk about their relationship with the band and what the band means to them and just any interesting little stories about how they first encountered them or whatever, even if it's kind of mundane. Um, I I just love it every time. So I think yeah, I think that's what I've learned is that it's it's almost more of a I, I've described it before as a as this podcast being a people's history of Fugazi, and that's really how I think of it. So I think that's my answer.
1: I like it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I I really enjoy that. I I I feel like you've really gotten into an amazing groove at this point and. I, as a listener, I appreciate what you're doing and where you're going with this, and I don't know what you—I don't know if you have anything planned for for when you get to W and, and you're finally done. But I I hope you continue going somehow with Fugazi and somehow continuing this podcast.
0: Oh, that's really sweet of you to say, man. Um, yeah, I I just pull back the curtain. I have no plans at this point, so um, yeah. No plans to do anything, no plans to not do anything. So I guess we'll just see what happens. But but yeah, thank you very much. That means a lot to me. But I mean, speaking of what I was just saying about my favorite part of the podcast, yeah, tell your story, man. Robert Lalonde, how do you get into <laughs> Fugazi? And what's your story? Did you see them live? Any memorable moments? Whatever, go for it.
1: See, I feel like everybody's going to hate me because I didn't like Fugazi when I first heard them. And I honestly didn't like Minor Threat. So I had an older brother and some cousins who really pushed a lot of metal and punk and hardcore stuff on me at a very early age. We're talking like two and three. <laughs> and um, I knew of Minor Threat. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I was really politically minded. And everybody always told me through for years. You have to check out this band Fugazi. It's it's like the most Robert band that's ever existed. And I heard it and and it was funny because I I originally heard Steady Diet and I didn't like it. I I just I didn't get it. I just, was like just for why?
0: context, just for context, what was your favorite music at the time?
1: Things like Jesus Lizard and Swans. Oh, okay. And I I it's funny because especially that album now holds a really like (laughs) I hold that album near and dear to my heart I think Steady Diet is so underrated and I do not understand why even the band sometimes doesn't (laughs) put it to the echelon that I think it needs to be but back then I didn't get it and it wasn't until Fugazi was playing at Mac Hall in 2001 here and I snuck into that show because I wasn't supposed to be going to that show. And <laughs> I was blown away. I, I couldn't believe it. This was like one of the best live bands I've ever seen. The energy, the, the passion, essentially the stage presence. I uh, To this day, I, I put Fugazi and Tool and Faith No More as like the, the top three pillars of live performances. Hmm. And... So I went back and I started listening and I I fell in love and it really took me a long time and I wish that I would have loved them earlier on and maybe I could have seen some more shows even further back before 2001, but I'm glad I saw that one show. I'm, I'm a diehard life lifelong fan now, but yeah, it really took me a little bit, but love the band now.
0: Better late than never, man.
1: It's true, but it really did take the live performance to really just change my mind on them. And I and maybe it was because of how steady diet is recorded and it and it's different and I think that just being a young guy and not being in the repeater in my ears to begin with, I think maybe that is what turned me off. And Anybody that listens to Steady Diet now, and if you're young and you're listening to this podcast right now and you don't get it, you're going to get it. Just keep listening to it. Don't give up on it.
0: it. That's interesting because it makes me, I don't think I can remember a time exactly when I was listening to Fugazi and I hadn't seen them live. Like I think that first Fugazi show was pretty soon after I discovered them. Um, so yeah, I have no idea how I would feel about them if I had never been able to see them. Um, that's a, that's a good question.
1: I I will say if we're going to start thinking about something and, and this is a question to you and I know that you've heard it a thousand times, but do you legitimately think that they will ever play a public show again?
0: If I had to put my money on a yes or no answer, I would, I would say no.
1: I, I, I also, I, (laughs) I feel like I have to agree if it didn't happen in the last four years, well, I don't think that there's going to be a need for them to to just play publicly at this point,
0: right? And and even if they did, I'm sure it would be great, but it wouldn't be the same thing, you know. Twenty years on, uh, as as the sort of stage presence they could have had as as young people, and I don't think any of us should expect them to be able to do that kind of thing anymore. It, it was some crazy, wonderful, beautiful antics happening.
1: But it is funny because as much as we did not have Fugazi for this time, we had you. And you you, you kind of brought Fugazi to the podcast world, which right now is like the live music world. <laughs> That's where everybody's gathering. We, we we can't go out there. It's starting to open up now. But when you started this, there was no going out to shows and there was a need for political voices and a political movement and this kind of music again and you brought Fugazi back to light so in a roundabout way Fugazi did come back and it is thanks to you so
0: well that is a lot to take credit for I don't don't know if I can sign on with that but but I very much appreciate that you feel that way uh I I feel very loved right now man thanks (laughs) (laughs) But maybe some people didn't need podcasts as much as they used to because they weren't commuting.
1: I feel like I listened to more this year. I have you. Do you feel like you're listening to more or less now?
0: Um, less because uh, just because I'm like a I'm a parent and doing a lot of parenting stuff. When previously, and I I didn't recognize it at the time, but previously I had so much free time and I was just listening to podcasts all the time. Um. so i don't know i i'm a biased sample
1: <laughs> well i think i i think we should talk about polish and yeah. i want to start this off because why do you think this is such a divisive song like from the from not only the fans but the band like they played it six times i believe
0: yeah that's why? right So, yeah, let's establish the context here, because that is true. That's the elephant in the room with this episode and this song, Polish from Steady Diet of Nothing. It is indeed uh, the least played album track in Fugazi history. Um, There is a recorded song they did that was played less that wasn't on an album. Any, Any Fugazi trivia buffs out there think they can answer? Pause the podcast. Think about it for 10 seconds. It's Hello Morning. Um, I think that was only played a couple of times live, but yeah, the polish was only played six times, at least in this, in the, uh, pot, in the shows that are released currently on the Fugazi live series. And, um, yeah, basically Brendan sort of alluded to this, uh, when he appeared on this podcast and he was, he was talking about how it was kind of just too simple or boring to play um, he was comparing it a little bit to the song "Turkish Disco" from the instrument soundtrack, and saying, "Yeah, like that didn't really become developed into its own song because it was a little too simple, a little too dumb, maybe. Possibly the band was just bored with it. Um, so yeah, he he compared it to Polish there. Um, I have a couple of other sources on this. So there's a there's this website out there that sort of collects a little FAQ and and that says that. This is a res- uh, basically a response that Guy sent uh, to fan mail. That's like somebody was asking him about songs they haven't played too much. And he sort of ran down the songs And Guy said about Polish. Um, this is a song we may have played once or twice, but probably no more than that. At this point, none of us have any idea how to play it, and none of us really like it much. So I think that it is fair to say that of all the songs we don't do, this one stands the least chance of resurrection. Um... so yeah and i i think in my memory i couldn't track down what i was thinking of but i think somewhere i saw like an interview with brendan where he's like talking about some of the songs and he, he makes some comment about most of their songs and he's like except for stupid polish and um yeah so it's it's not a very loved song by the band, and I've seen a lot of people online uh, have sort of a similarly low opinion of it. So yeah, your question, Robert, is why? I I think I don't want to jump the gun too much because maybe as we talk about the uh, music and lyrics, we can we can tease that out. Because I think our job on this podcast might be to like really just try to give an even-handed look about. Uh, at what works about this song, what doesn't work
1: for us. Let's get into music then. Because I think think if we're going to talk about the strong parts of this song, it's the actual musicality behind it. And I think when we get to lyrics, we'll talk about lyrics. But I think that there is still some complexity behind the music in this song. And it's not something that you, listening to Steady Diet, decide to skip over or at least i don't do do you feel like this is a song that if it comes on you're skipping it no i I feel like a lot of people I, i don't think that they're doing that
0: i i may be a bad person to ask about this because i'm not a skipper in general like i think there are very few songs on any album if i put on an album i'm probably just listening to the whole thing um especially when it comes to fugazi i don't think i'm skipping any fugazi songs Um, maybe, uh, like maybe if the instrument soundtrack is on and me and Thumbelina comes on, I might skip that one. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but no, I'm not skipping this.
1: And I think that's, that's the thing about it. It's not really a skippable song and I don't think anybody listening to this is really skipping this song. So I, (laughs) as, as much as I don't feel like it's a five-star kind of a song or like Fugazi's best song. To have the hatred that it has, I think, is a weird thing to me personally, because if you're going to put it in between "Runaway Return" and "Dear Justice Letter," it still works there. And yeah, I I, I think I think a little bit of credit maybe needs to be given to the mus- to to the pure musicality of it, and I think it's the rhythm section, and there's still some complexities there. It's not just a run-of-the-mill 70s arena rock song it still has something about it that it still kind of fits on that album for me at least
0: for me um i think one of the highest compliments you can give to any song is how catchy it is like parts that get stuck in your head i like i really value that um like honestly and legitimately that that is my um that's the part of me that is a sucker for pop music, and um, just any any catchy element. And for me, the little I want to I want to call it like a little surfy almost riff, da 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 da, that gets in my head. It, it pops up randomly here and there um, when I'm doing things around the house. Sometimes it might not be the most complex. It might not go anywhere other than that. But just that little self-contained riff, credit where credit is due. I like it.
1: But then we do have to talk about the lyrics. And I think that is where <laughs> a lot of people then start putting this song down. And be- it's very on the nose. It's And it's funny, like, I run a film called Podcast. I'm very much in, like, talking to TV and entertainment personalities. And I think it's funny that I'm talking about the song that's pretty much go turn off your television. But... <laughs> there is something truly on the nose. And I think why a lot of Fugazi fans don't like this song. And I've been thinking about this a lot recently is because there's so much growth on steady diet. And the fan base was to such a level at this point that this song really feels out of place and maybe like a song that was written at the beginning. Hmm. And I think that's why a lot of, I think that's why the gravitational pull wasn't there for this song.
0: That's interesting. I have certain issues with the lyrics, but I don't know. Do you think it's really on the nose compared to some other? I mean, we in the context of this album, Reclamation, it seems universally beloved. But, you know, these are our demands. We want control of our bodies. Very on the nose, nest pas?
1: But I think that there's still some, like, nuance in Reclamation. I feel like Polish is, like, a... (laughs) It definitely could have been written by Rage Against the Machine in, like... I mean, maybe part of it is that... The the later days, I I feel.
0: Yeah. It could be that part of it is, I mean, the stakes are higher with Reclamation, and it seems like a topic that needs uh, a plain-spoken, on-the-nose statement, whereas maybe... Disliking television programming is not one of those topics, and that's the main difference.
1: Now, I'm curious. Do you think that... Do you think that when when Fugazi got incredibly political, that a lot of the fans kind of poo-pooed it originally and gravitated towards it later on? Uh, I, I'm That's always ran through my mind. This. Do you think that a lot of just the bypasser kind of fans liked those kind of on-the-nose things
0: it depends on sort of the timeline that you have in mind i don't know when did they get political because like right at the beginning they were singing give me the cure and things like that and, and talking about you know climate change right burning um or, or burning too rather so i don't know because i'm a little bit of a a latecomer to Fugazi in the in the scheme of things I really started listening to them with Red Medicine. So if there was like if that schism did happen early on, I kind of missed it and I I received Fugazi as whatever they were at that point and whatever the fan base was at that point, so I may be a little ignorant actually of of what was going on there.
1: I know like my my brother and cousin and and things like that who were there from from the get-go. It seemed like they were more um it it was more like the mythos behind the band that was political and not and and they I I guess even when it did get political in the lyrics and in the music a lot of the early fans could just kind of brush that off and I think as the band went along it became harder and harder to just brush that off I see I think that's where I was yeah. going with that
0: Yeah, I I could see that. (laughs) I mean, like, well, let's see where it goes with these guys. Hmm. They're still political, huh? One thing I wanted to mention, you know, you're talking about you have this film podcast and Fugazi really seems of two minds or rather maybe there's a kind of dichotomy when it comes to film versus television, because they seem like in interviews they have a lot of love for film, at least film of a certain kind.
1: I was gonna bring this up. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I, I thought I, th- that you might. They
1: they love especially like those Godardian kind of classics and like the important works of cinema. And I think a lot of Cinephiles feel this way about television. It, it's for the longest time it was this like craft dinner, I guess, kind of <laughs> medium. It was this watered down cinema and it was for the masses and it really had no artistic value to a lot of cinephiles. And I think it only makes sense that a band that approaches music that way also would approach cinema the exact same way and and art in that way. Hmm. And for a long time, television it's, it was not art. And I think that now we live in a time where we have streaming services and what is television? What is film at this point, And that's a completely different discussion. And I'd actually be really curious to know what Ian would think of this now because we live in such a different time than the 90s. If he would feel things like Nicholas Reffin's Too Old to Die Young is still this television cancer on society or if he would honestly see the cinematic merits behind this weird crazy eight-hour miniseries or even something like twin peaks the return
0: Hmm. to go backwards a little bit there is some background information um and i i did a little research and found some sort of more recent ian Mackay interviews where he mentions tv um first of all just the behind-the-scenes MVP of this podcast, Junter Habetz, who's who's been on as a guest before, but always uh, supplies these interesting little tidbits and knowledge about live shows and stuff. So, there's a show from 1991, he pointed out, where Ian Mackay introduced Polish as Steady Diet. Junter says, when I once asked him about it, he elaborated, quote, it was I that introduced the song as Steady Diet. It was the original title of the song, I wrote the lyrics, but we decided to use it for the instrumental that we wrote around the same time. Steady Diet of Nothing was at first just an allusion to television, but the concept grew in scope while we were writing the songs that ended up becoming the Steady Diet of Nothing album. End quote. Um, So, yeah, and and apparently that's a a quote from Bill Hicks to Steady Diet of Nothing about... uh, Well,
1: and I I was going to bring up Bill Hicks because... I think that this song is important on the album because the album is so (laughs) revolved around Bill Hicks. It's funny that we started this off on, on a, on a tool quote, which is also based on Bill Hicks. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) it's, it's one of those songs that love it or hate it. I think it's a necessity within the context of this album because of what the album frankly stands for and what it's, it's it's a concept album if you really want to get into it. And it kind of needed that extra little push. And I think this song gives it that extra little push.
0: Hmm. Um, but to bring up those later, the more recent interviews I mentioned. So in 2013, interview with Brightest Young Things, Ian said, quote, I don't watch TV, but occasionally I'll read the Washington Post. I will say that sports are the only real thing on television. Everything else has a bias, or you're being manipulated. And as hard as you try and create narratives about sports, once the ball is in the air, there's not a damn thing you can do about it. It's just very real. End quote. And here's another one from Radio Silence in 2014. And he's Ian's sort of talking about the origins of punk or the early days of punk. And says, quote, One thing is that the media, specifically television, was really derisive about punk. They made fun of it, saying things like, These people, they slash themselves with razor blades, they stick safety pins in their faces, they like to eat their own vomit, stuff like that. These descriptions of moronic, nihilistic, self-destructive people, like punks are always these loony, violent guys who are doing really terrible things. That sort of caricature fueled the animus in terms of mainstream society. End quote. So those are a couple of I think sort of illuminating, um, illuminating quotes in in terms of sort of how he currently still feels and also what <laughs> what initially spurred this um, this dislike that he has. I mean another famous example that I can think of is he said in interviews that um, really the the music video for "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana was it sort of kicked off the stage diving thing. Like, that didn't really happen much before that music video came out. And all of a sudden, at punk shows, people were jumping off the stage and hurting people, um, which, of course, in turn led to Fugazi's famous, like, don't do that shit um, stance and lecturing people who were acting dangerously at shows. Um, So there's, there's a lot about Ian's gripes with television at that time, I think wrapped up in his views and and how his relationship with TV um maybe remained throughout a lot of years. It sounds like he still is not crazy about it.
1: I think he also seen that television was on this path to become I guess almost just purely bullshit news based and <laughs> this is this choosing sides and and if, if you're a liberal, you're watching MSNBC. If if you're conservative, you're watching Fox News. This television becoming even more divisive than it even was back then. I think he he's even he's he's saying that in this song as well, that this is going to lead to even bigger problems because this. And I don't want to use the word fake news. I really don't but this kind of just 24 <laughs> hour news cycle and, and needing it to be more entertainment than, than actually news based. I think he saw that then. And I think that's what's in the lyrics and it's, it's what Sidney Lamette and, uh, Patty Chayefsky told us in 1979 in network and it's becoming still more and more relevant each and every day as we go on.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think one of the funny things is that when I think about these lyrics just in themselves and allow myself to forget the historical context, I mean, I think that people, if I could generalize, have two main complaints about television, and one did not exist back then. Um, You know, one of them being, of course, the 24-hour news cycle that you mentioned and just how exhausting and, yeah, manipulative it can be. Um and the second one is reality t v and everything people complain about with reality t v totally tracks in my minds with this song and and the lyrics. It sounds like it could be someone complaining about that, but of course it that was not a thing back then um so prescient in some ways, but I guess I have to remind myself that that's not what he's talking about i I have to imagine it dovetails in with his. <laughs> existing dislike of television though when it when it became just what took over a lot of tv for a lot of people
1: how do you feel about television now
0: i yeah that's a great question i was going to ask you the same thing i i'm like a one of these cord cutters i don't have um cable i just have a few streaming services um and yeah i'm i would say i'm comfortable with my relationship with tv now which is as a very occasional viewer. I really don't watch very much of it and I don't feel addicted to it. Um, I mean, my, my self shame around media these days comes from being addicted to my damn smartphone. Like most people, like I feel, I do feel bad about that. Um, I don't feel bad about television though. I just, um, yeah, I'm not much of a watcher. How about you?
1: Uh, I, I try to keep up on things, but I really, <laughs> as a cinephile, I don't enjoy television. Um, But what I do enjoy is, I guess, what we're leading into with the streaming services and allowing filmmakers to just express their vision. And if it's eight hours, if it's 30 minutes, just be able to tell your story as an artist. And I hope, and <laughs> I, I guess I'm hopeful right now, and I really want streaming to I guess improve what film has already laid out and I guess completely erase everything that that television has (laughs) has (laughs) has become it's it's really I hope allowing a collaborative effort going forward between a filmmaker and a DOP and just telling one vision and telling one story and not having these sitcoms or reality shows or anything like that because I feel like people are going away from that as streaming it's bigger I don't hear a lot about that anymore mm-hmm. and I think that makes me really happy
0: I really get the impression just from watching you know your breaking bads and and things of that ilk that there's it it just feels like there's less of suits telling the creative people what has to be done, and I have no idea to what extent that is true, and of, of course, there still are dumb sitcoms where I'm sure just like it they're focus grouped to death um, but yeah, it just subjectively it does seem to me like there are creative people being allowed to be creative more than there were before,
1: but then we also have an entire year of everybody sitting at home. And for the majority of the time, everybody bitches that they didn't see this year's Oscar nominees. (laughs) And you literally now had an opportunity to watch some actually really good films this year uh, that had real stories to them. And then people still complained that they saw none of these Oscar nominees. So I feel like as the accessibility gets out there, I hope that people realize what is quality. And we get away from quantity everywhere. If it's terrestrial television to cable television to a streaming service, I think the whole qual quantity thing needs to go away. We need to get back to quality. And I think that's why films of the 1970s and the 1960s and even the 1950s are the films that myself and I would only gather Brennan and Ian and Gee and and everybody gravitates towards and, and Joe, everybody would gravitate towards those kind of films because those have stood the test of time because back then you had to rehearse. You had to actually have something to say. You had to have craft. You had to have an artistic vision. And I think that hopefully we're going back to that. But for a long time, we've been slipping away from that.
0: I would imagine just from listening to a song like Cassavetti's um that yeah thinking about that song it seems like maybe television has become a little more like the movies in that um yeah there's there's a variety there is really good stuff out there i think if you asked gee at least like he could identify great showrunners and great creative minds and say yeah this is what we need more of in TV, just like he said. Yeah, we need more of Cassavetes in, in cinema when he wrote that song. Whereas, yeah, m- maybe maybe back then when they made Steady Diet, it wasn't even approaching the the quality of anything like you could see in, in good cinema.
1: We're never going to get another Cassavetes, but damn, do we need one.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, quick, quick side note. I don't know if you listened to that episode, but I... I watched a couple of his films in preparation. I watched uh, uh, A Woman Under the Influence and Opening Night. You have? Do you have any other favorites that I should really try to seek out? One oh, or two?
1: Oh, killing, killing of a Chinese Book. Oh, I did see that, that, actually.
0: I saw that years before I recorded the Cassavetes episode. But yeah, I, I did like that.
1: Yeah, that I would say that would be up there um, in Shadows. Shadows is such a... That is a brilliant brilliant use of lighting how how he staged that in those in those cramped like confined little spaces that man is a genius he he truly is
0: i'll check it out for sure thank you of course yeah maybe we should focus back on the song though in terms of how ian expresses his feelings about his uh his chosen subjects it seems like the the main framework with which he tackles the topic is there are a couple of ideas, but he sort of comes at it with this um, attitude of this is the bread and circuses. This this is what's doled out to the masses. Um, this is their portion that they get every day of you know their their daily entertainment that uh, numbs the minds. Right, that seems to be th- the real thing that is reiterated in the choruses of this song.
1: I would agree with that. I love that he uses the analogy of sugar, because I feel <laughs> like a, a, cinephiles, I think, look at television like sugar. It's this candy. It's this. It's this thing that's gonna rot your teeth if you if you watch too much of it. And I think that using that analogy in the song is brilliant. I I, I think for as much <laughs> of the lyrics that you might have a problem with. That one is, that one's really great in my mind.
0: I guess you could also look at sugar as things like, like a laugh track, for example, that is added to a a sitcom. Like that, the laugh track is the sugar that makes it (laughs) sort of makes you laugh along, um, preying on your psychology to like patch over the shortcomings of the actual jokes.
1: Do you think? if they would have continued to play this live, that it would have evolved to be something completely different than what it is on the album.
0: I don't think you could say they did that with any of their songs. I don't think any of them strayed that far from their roots, historically.
1: True, but I just think (laughs) the amount of, I guess, hatred that they had towards this song, (laughs) If, if, if maybe the audience would have gravitated towards it a little bit more, and they would have been demanded i guess to play it a little bit more I, I i feel like this might have been the one time a song might have developed and, and might have changed on the road
0: yeah well to, to compare it to a couple of other extant examples i mean they sort of stopped playing in defense of humans for what i would assume are some similar reasons like super on the nose musically maybe not that interesting or fun for them to play another example might be something like furniture where like who knows if they had kept going maybe they would have reintroduced polish at some point and found a way if not a way to make it different at least something else to find exciting about it um interesting thought experiment
1: i'm curious what is your least favorite lyric out of this and what is your favorite lyric out of polish
0: i think my you know what i don't like about this lyrically is i think that when somebody repeats a line of a song for emphasis it should be something that is deserving of emphasis and repetition and and <laughs> hopefully it would be clear why it's deserving of that so when ian repeats made it cold and later repeats the line, um, contents remain, like as a songwriter, I see no purpose to that. It's like he's emphasizing a a line from the verse that is kind of a throwaway to me. So both of those, maybe on their own in the verse, don't particularly bother me. But for him to repeat them, I'm like, eh, why? (laughs) I don't get it.
1: And your favorite?
0: I think maybe my favorite is simply the line, your reflection. And
1: this is, of you're, course, y- yeah, you're, you're, you're in my head, Ian, You're <laughs> in my head. It's also my favorite line, line of, of the entire thing. It's, it's poignant. It really is
0: yeah I, I and it brings to mind, of course, um Black Mirror, which the I guess the whole idea of the title of that series is that you know a TV when it's off is like you can see yourself in it and and it, its it explores the ways in which we can compare ourselves to what we see on the screen and uh, and the characters depicted therein, and that that is definitely something that Ian's working with there that's your reflection in the TV.
1: I'm glad we're on the same page on that one. I think I I think it's a really like it's it's a poignant lyric. It really is. Although I
0: think the the line that the title comes from is sort of awkward, like "broke out the polish, scrubbed it clean." Like who Windex maybe? But but who takes out polish to put on a TV screen? Maybe a little bit awkward wording there.
1: Yeah, I <laughs> I I wonder if this would have just worked better if they would have kept it kept calling it steady diet. It might it might have it might have just resonated a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Or maybe find some way to work that into the into the lyrics. Maybe 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 that would make it even more on the nose. I don't know. That's true. But There's an attempt at a cohesive metaphor, right, that this is it's comparing it to some kind of food um, that that is has no sustenance. It's a steady diet of nothing. Um, It's sugared down, iced down to make it palatable, um, you know, watered down. It's served to you every day um, in you know, little 30 minute portions like a crappy TV dinner. There is that. I think maybe it could have been beaten into a more cohesive form and and there's more that could have been brought out of that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean overall certainly not a bad idea for a song. I think it's possible that I like the music a little less or maybe it's possible that I see the music as a reason to like the song less rather than the lyrics. So maybe in opposition to you because th- there are certainly cool things about the music, right? It's I like the they're sort of a classic thing that Brendan's doing with the hi-hat, the little surf riff again, I like how it changes to this major key feel for the chorus, but on the other hand there's a lot of one chording throughout the whole song that gets a little bit samey, right? Like, the whole verse is mostly just one chord and the chorus is also mostly one different chord. (laughs) I think the bass follows that, like, I, I feel like a lot of fugazi songs that underwhelm me musically it a lot of it comes back to the bass where joe doesn't get a lot to do he's sort of playing that one chord the whole verse and when it comes to the chorus there's something else going on but it's a bit of a muddle it's not a very distinct bass part there's something happening um but it's it's not allowed to to stand out i also think that there's that little descending bit in the ends that is an interesting idea. Dun, 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 dun. But the execution feels a little herky-jerky to me, a little awkward. So I think for me, it's, it's maybe the music that is actually the, the shortcoming of this song to me.
1: I like that we disagree. That's what this show's all about.
0: Yeah, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do you feel like when, you, when you're listening to any album, F- first, first, go ahead. That you're focusing more on the bass than anything else.
0: No, I wouldn't say that. I think I'm. I think I'm a fairly holistic music consumer. I pay attention to the music. I pay attention to the lyrics. I th- I think as somebody who has never learned to play the drums, maybe the drums are the aspect which I usually find myself like having to really make myself pay attention to appreciate. I think I take them for granted, especially when it's not Brendan playing them yeah how about you?
1: I think it's it's the vocals and the bass line that I'm really that like I guess gravitates me into the song to begin with or into an album, and then I do try my hardest to just <laughs> listen to everything as a whole right away, but I do find myself gravitating towards the bass lines in the lyrics, yeah time and time again,
0: I guess you know it depends on it depends on the music some bass lines are impossible to ignore. I was listening to um, This Year's Model by Elvis Costello recently and just like, holy crap, the bass playing on that is so crazy. Like, if if that guy were playing any more notes, you'd be like, this is overplaying, this is unacceptable. But he's just sort of doing (laughs) everything you possibly can and still being, (laughs) still making it be a good bass line for a pop song. Do you have anything to say before we check in with our friends on social media? I
1: think we've covered it.
0: Let's Well, let's see, because there is maybe not arguments breaking out on the uh, Alphabetical Fugazi Facebook page, but some people like this, some don't like it that much. Beniamino Gili says, uh, I'd say it's somewhere in my ten least favorite songs, nothing really remarkable or memorable. Uh, sorry, just my opinion.
1: I wonder if that's least favorite songs of all time or just least favorite Fugazi songs.
0: I took it as least favorite Fugazi songs. How could you possibly say this is in your t- ten least favorite songs of all time?
1: I don't know. I was going to say that's that's like some heavy statement. If if that if that's where they're going with that one,
0: no, no, I I would I would doubt it. Um, James Vidito says I know this song gets a lot of flack, and the band rarely performed it live. They said it was a momentum killer, but I've always liked it. The start stops, and the truncated vocals made it cold or scrubbed it clean. Hit so hard. See, that's exactly the part that I'm not crazy about, James. I'm glad. See, we we disagree too. Thank you for bringing another um, another perspective to that. Um, he goes on to say the song has an almost metal sound akin to Helmet or Quicksand. It's a diatribe against television and consumerism and how people just want gloss and filler and not substance. The chorus has a great sing-song quality. Ian likes to employ. Um, yeah. So the um. He's, he's... I
1: I love that he mentioned that it was that it was a little bit metal influenced because I honestly didn't pick up on that until right now and now thinking back to the song, yeah, it's it's there. It's very quick sandy helmet. I'm I I feel like I maybe appreciate the song a little bit more. I think my rating is going to change a little bit now.
0: <laughs> I I did have a quick listen to Helmet before recording this because I wasn't previously really familiar with them. I see the similarity because they're also, at least the the songs I listen to, they're sort of doing that same one chord thing. The, I guess the the thing is that just the rhythm they choose to emphasize that one chord with is sort of what makes the groove of it. Um, so I, I can see what there is to appreciate in that, and it is sort of interesting in this. I guess the chord is played on the two of every bar and the four and, I want to say. Dun, dun. Yeah. So, yeah. so that part at least is well, interesting I, to me.
1: I would also say anybody that's a Helmet fan, Paige has also been on the show, so he, uh-huh. he definitely uh he, he definitely gets into it.
0: Jared Coffin says, I like it a lot. The chorus sticks out for me. I find it resembling Fugazi's ethics towards record labels and MTV and possibly the idea of copyrights of watered down manufactured music bought and sold to unsuspecting teenagers. Sure. Addison Pollock says I've never understood the band's dislike for this one. It's definitely far from a top track, but decent, especially the drumming. The song has a more macho feel overall, which is not typical Fugazi. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I guess that is a way to characterize this. That sort of like Helmet Tool kind of feel. It it does feel more macho than a typical Fugazi song. I agree.
1: It it, it definitely is very in your face in In every aspect of it, like from the music to the lyrics, it kind of just like starts and it's there, and it's it's not gonna let you go, yeah, for that three and a half minutes that it is
0: that does remind me of something else I'm not crazy about in the song, which is the way it ends, which is very abruptly, and that that can be a good thing, but it's again a little awkward here like it's it almost just sort of. Ends without any, I don't know, I don't need its song to end with a bang, but it's not enough for me. I need a little something happening. Jason Bugg says, not a fan, feels too similar to a much superior song on the same album, Stacks. And interestingly also, um, Thomas Harding says, it always felt to me like it shared some sonic DNA with Civ-Fisted Find. And in several of its six live performances in 1991, Polish either followed or sat in close proximity to... Siv-Fisted Find in the setlist, so maybe that's not just my imagination. Junter Hobbits, the aforementioned, says, This one is most definitely a personal favorite. I absolutely love it, from the thunderous, pounding opening sequence that immediately grabs the attention to the more melodic chorus and brutal breakdown which provides Ian with ample opportunity to roar and drive it home. Andrew Crippen also says, It's unfairly maligned. It has an unrelenting groove that reminds me of the band Helmet. Again. A straightforward tune compared to the opener exit only, but one that my 14-year-old brain could more easily process. I analyzed these lyrics to death at that age. Um, So, you can see the, uh, and then we bring it back um, with R.W. Swanson. He brings it back and says, much like the album Sonics, this song for me is one of their duds. Um, While the critique of television culture and the public relationship with it has its merits, it's also flawed by some misaligned word choices and lyrics. It illustrates the cyclical union of TV programs, programming the viewers by answering their prayers, informing their fashion and belongings, etc. That's well and good, but what the fuck does update the cleanser but to never mind the stain mean, really? And doesn't he mean convex when referring to a television screen, not concave? I'm sure Makai can explain himself out of that word choice, but something tells me it's just a lazy way to get to the aptly word behave. Um, So... There you go, a a real spectrum of opinions, and I'm sure you can tell what my next question is going to be, which is about (laughs) ratings. Do you like me?
1: Do you like me? Do you like me?
0: So I'm going to ask you, Robert Lalonde, um, given all that, absorbing all that information, meditating on it, uh, if you had to rate Polish in a scale of 1 to 5 stars, but only in the context of the Fugazi catalog, what do you think about it?
1: Can I just say first, Ian? We made it. We made it through maybe the hardest song that you're gonna have to do. <laughs> I appreciate Every, you. Everything man. <laughs> else, everything else is now a cakewalk. <laughs> everything before was was a cakewalk. This, you, we made it. So I, I'm I'm just as I'm just as happy with you as I am with myself. I was gonna give this in the high twos. And honestly, now hearing the helmet references and the quicksand stuff, I I'm I'm gonna up my rating, and I'm gonna go three That's point two 3.267 That's what I'm going six with seven.
0: It's like right next door to pie. <laughs> <laughs> Shares a zip code, at least. That's true. Before I give my rating, one thing I forgot to say that I did mean to say, just because I remember it as my personal um, first thought about this song ever was when I got this album back in high school I looked at the track listing I was like Polish that's a weird name for a Fugazi song I wonder what in the hell a song called Polish is going to be about
1: I felt the exact same way Ian. <laughs> you... <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because like on the back of of the album art it it's The capital P. So, you, I think anybody picking this up is going to think that it's Polish. Well, like 99.9% of the time, you're going to think that it's Polish.
0: You know, that (laughs) the most pointless, um, waste of time survey you could ever do, but one that I kind of want to do is just go around, show a hundred random people the back of Steady Diet of Nothing and ask them to read the track list and. Just make a tally of how many people say Polish and how many people say Polish.
1: This seems like the most like niche uh, <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel like skit of all time. Like, Listen, you <laughs> asked me what <laughs> plans
0: I had when I got to the W's and I was finished I, with I the songs. This. It's, this is it. I'm going to just go around and do Man on the Street style interviews where I see what people's first impressions are about the track list of Fugazi albums and how they pronounce shit.
1: Oh, this is... Please just play random like 12 year olds, just like Latin roots and just see (laughs) what their idea is and and how they feel about it. I, I, I love this idea. Please do it.
0: Now I'm excited. I have a reason to live when this is all over. I was, <laughs> I was considering lapsing into alcoholism or, or something terrible like that, knocking over liquor stores. But um,
1: can I just say I I loved your your Blotto Beatles because I was not expecting you to be uh, to be a Scotch guy. So that was that was cool. What,
0: what if you had to guess before you heard that? What would you say? What was what was my tipple of choice?
1: Ooh, I was gonna say bourbon. Interesting. I was 100% if if I had to come up with something for you, it would have been like a nice, rich American bourbon. Like with probably some like maple notes to it. Believe it or not, I have
0: no, I'm going to say I have no American whiskey in the house at the moment. I just, I, I said my parents are visiting. I made them each a nice maple old fashioned last night with the last dregs of my bottle of Rittenhouse rye.
1: At least you uh, at least you're buying good rye, I fear we're off
0: track and I'm not trying to weasel out of giving a rating to this <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> i think as as much as I like being a contrarian sometimes i I don't feel I can really go against um the the common sentiment about this being one of their lesser songs. I'm not crazy about it um i I think there are some awkward choices some not so compelling moments all that said i like it a little bit more than lockdown i'm gonna give it a 1.5 it's sort of sitting at the bottom sorry all you polish fans your opinions as valid as mine though i must say
1: i like it i i I thought you were gonna give it a 1.75 so i was close
0: (laughs) i could bump it up to 1.75 depending on how i'm feeling that day
1: listeners anytime
0: you engage me in a conversation ask me that day how do you feel about polish and maybe it'll hover around i could see it going up to 1.75 for sure well we're at that point of the show robert where i'm gonna ask you about plugs Never mind what's we've talked about uh the film cult podcast but you know what's the best place for listeners to hear that and is there anything else that they should check out from you
1: it's on Instagram at Film Cult Pod. There's eighty episodes now. It's everywhere that you listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this, it's also there. Uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, everywhere. Uh, check it out. If you uh are in the industry and want to be on the show, let me know. And uh, I don't think I have any more plugs past that. So I'm just I was, I'm I'm honored to be on your show. I think what you're doing is amazing and all the the episodes up till now have been amazing. This is going to be terrible to a lot of people because it is, because it is polish. And then next (laughs) week you can return and you can get back to your regular scheduled programming.
0: Well, thanks so much for being on. And I must say, I think you can tell, the listeners can tell that you're a good podcaster. And I think it's easy to tell when my guest is a podcaster because I think you've, asked me more questions than anybody has asked me on this podcast before, right? I'm used to, I'm used to being the one sort of doling out the questions and, and trying to provoke some kind of an answer. And, uh, and you've really brought out some, some thoughts from me that I had not considered. Um, so thanks for that. And, uh, yeah, keep doing what you do. I hope, I hope you get to the, what do you, what do you call four out of four? What's, what's one better than a hat trick? Um, yeah, whatever it is, I hope, whatever it is, I hope you get there with Fugazi. I mean, you live in Canada; there must be some term for that, right?
1: I I feel bad that now I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, anyway. Keep up the good work, man. Uh, It's been very enjoyable having you on, and like you, I have little else to plug that's not just this podcast that I do week in and week out. So, yeah, listeners, as always, you can reach me at z at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions, and you can also put those comments or questions in the Facebook group that's just called The Alphabetical Fugazi, And uh, that's where I'll be posting this episode when it comes out, and that's where I'll be asking you about your thoughts about the next episode, which right now, I hope you'll join me for the next week's episode when we'll be discussing promises. Until then, keep your eyes open.